Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the eight. I mentioned this after the liturgy, and I, to me, it is 100% true. We have now, thank God, we've had St. Mark Church for four years, and have had the eight since day one. This five-part series in which we are beginning today is the most important topic, I can say full, full confidence, for us to be able to discuss this at church and for us to have further discussions in life group. And if you haven't already, you can go ahead and sign up for a life group. But this topic is so critical because today we are talking about emotions. For the next five sessions, we are talking about emotions. When you hear the word or when you hear someone say, oh, she's so emotional, he's so emotional. When someone hears that, subconsciously, we think it's a sign of weakness. We, we see someone's weak. When someone's emotional, they see it as a sign of weakness. And I, I, I'm a millennial, but I've heard Gen Z people say, uh, someone's all up in their feelings, right? I think that's like a saying, right? About someone's all up in their feelings. Yeah, some of you guys are laughing at me. Yeah, it's a saying, right? About someone's all up in their feelings. So emotions is an, 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 a critical part to what makes us human. And I, what we're talking about over the next five sessions is for us to put our emotions into sync to put our emotions into sync. Because there's a wide, there's a different aspects what makes us, us, right? We're relational beings, we're physical beings, we're emotional beings, we're sexual beings, we're emotional beings. But what, what's so critical is for us to find out how do we sync up all these different elements of humanity. Everyone can have their own relative definition of how to put them into sync. But here at San Mark Church, here at the eight, here in this first century church, we're trying to put all these different elements of health into sync by looking at the one who is the fullness of life. Everything comes back down to Jesus. How do we find all these different elements that kind of throw us off in life, right? It throws all of us off, it causes anxiety, it puts us in a, in a, in a, in a pit, but how do we put all these different elements that make us human and how to put it into sync? It requires us to look at the fullness of life. So let me go ahead and state the obvious to begin our series. By divine design, we are made to be a psychosomatic union. By divine design, we are made, humanity is made to be in a psychosomatic union. Psychosomatic, if I take the two parts, psycho would be mind, and uh, uh, somatic would be your body. So what, what makes us human is there, there is the sync. There is this union between mind and body. There's always the sync between mind and body. But for many of us, we kind of naturally lean toward focusing on the body. Thank God, in society in general, we've moved more in the direction of focusing more on the mind when it comes to mental health, so forth and so on. But naturally by default, if someone says, yeah, I need to go to a doctor, you're naturally thinking you broke a leg, you broke something, right? You're thinking of something related to this, the body, not necessarily to the mind. So we put a lot of emphasis on our body as far as our looks, as far as us wanting to be more healthy, so forth and so on. So we put a tremendous amount of weight when it comes to the body. But what we're trying to focus on is how do we find the balance between the mind and the body? So the part of the mind in which controls our emotions, many scientists would say it's the amygdala. I can't believe I forgot how to pronounce that. Amygdala. Amygdala is, how, is, is the part of the mind which controls, controls our emotion. If I broke my leg, if I broke my leg, the last thing you would tell me is, like imagine right now up here, I break my leg. Let's say I break my leg, okay? I break my leg. The last thing you would tell me is, oh, it's all right, Father Nate, just, just walk it off, you'll be fine. That'd be the last thing you tell me, 
right? Because you understand there's a normal protocol to fix my physical health. But if I tell you that I'm off emotionally, I snap at the smallest thing my wife says, I get super irritated, I'm, I'm highly insecure. If I told you any of that, you would be like, um, uh, all right, it's kind of awkward for you to tell me all this stuff. We don't know how to talk about our emotional health or how to assess it within ourselves. Physical health, we have a protocol. We know what to do. Take this blood test, go to this hospital, see this doctor, get the x-ray. We know what to do. But when it comes to our emotional health, our mental health, sometimes we have no idea what's the first step to take. So this is why what's kind of driving this entire series is a quote by an early church father from the fifth century. His name is St. Augustine. He comes from North Africa. He comes from modern day Algeria. And he had this great meditated question. Many church fathers actually had this question, but they worded it maybe differently depending on their style of writing. But St. Augustine worded it this way. How can I know God if I don't know myself? How can I know God if I don't know myself? Society, Maybe you, maybe me, your coworkers, your classmates, the, the, the general, broad American worldview, the post-Christian America, is focusing on the second line of the sentence. Know myself. What's, I need to be true to myself. I can't, I can't, I, I need to come out, I need to be true to myself, I don't need to bear, I, I'm gonna be, whatever's true to me is true to me. That's truth, it's my truth, end of story. So most people focus on the second line of this question. But for us to be in full union of the fullness of who we are intended to be, I need to look at me being a psychosomatic union by the divine designer. So St. Augustine, who was a straight-up gangster who ended up becoming a Jesus follower, by the way. His story is super, super fascinating how he became a gang member to being a Jesus follower. But that's a different story for a different time. But St. Augustine is, is connecting the two. Like, how, how can I know my purpose, my identity, my worth, where I come from if I don't know myself? So for him to pursue the incomprehensible, he understands it requires him to look within himself. So for this entire series, we're connecting the two, knowing yourself, but also understanding how that connects with God. This entire series is based off a book titled Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And what I love about the picture of, in the front cover of the book is there is this huge iceberg because for many of us, our reflex is to always focus on the top half, right? We're always trying to focus on how we look, how I portray myself on social media, how other people think of me, my status, my followers, my financial, whatever, you name it, right? We're always trying to focus on this, this little part that everyone sees. But there's an entire part of us in which no one sees. Maybe those closest to us sees it, but maybe there's parts of us in which nobody knows except ourselves, and we try to hide it. We try to convince ourselves. We try to build a false narrative of ourselves, and we cover up that part for no one to see. Let me go ahead and say the disclaimer. This series, by design, is, an intend is intended to make you feel uncomfortable. We should feel uncomfortable when we're talking about emotions. We should feel uncomfortable when we're talking about how to be emotionally healthy. Enough is enough for us to try to cover up our emotions or our deep part or secrets about ourselves. This is, the, this is the series. Here's the disclaimer. For us to be uncomfortable, for us to bring that to the surface, for us trying to, instead of us trying to cover all the stuff that's below and which nobody is aware of, which we're trying to convince ourselves that it doesn't exist, it's time for us to expose all that. That's disclaimer number one. This series is intended to make us uncomfortable. The second disclaimer, you cannot change yourself. I cannot change myself. 
This is a series for us to bring to the surface those parts of us in which we do not like, those parts of us in which we have mastered to cover and hide away from our friends, our spouse, our coworkers. We try to convince ourselves that we are someone different. We cannot change ourselves, but for us to take all of that, bring it to the surface, and go to the divine designer and say, here, here's my mess. I am off sync but you are the fullness of life, and I'm trying to align myself with you. Today, we are going to be looking at someone who is the perfect example, who had the disconnection between emotions and spirituality. Someone who completely disconnected his emotional health from his spiritual health. And by the way, by the way, it's impossible to be spiritually healthy without being emotionally healthy. Both have to go hand in hand. Both are connected because this is holistic health. This is the totality of first century Christianity for us to be in full sync together. So the person we're looking at goes by the name of Saul, and this is a, a painting of him on the left here uh, during the, the Renaissance. And on the right side, anybody know, by the way, who's the guy on the right side? David, yeah, so David. So we have Saul, and then we have David. So, but today we're gonna focus on Saul. Session two, we'll focus on David. But right now, so we're looking at this one, who, uh, we're looking at Saul, who lived between 1037 and 1010 BC. So King Saul, is the very first king of the nation of Israel. So talk about like that being your title. Talk about that being your legacy. Him being the very first king who was there to establish the structure and routine for the nation of Israel. So he had a lot of things going for him as far as him being appointed for this task. And the prophet who appointed Saul for this task goes by the name of Samuel, Samuel the prophet. So let me just give you a 40 second summary so far of what we're gonna about to jump into. Samuel the prophet is basically the spokesperson for God. And he tells Saul, hey, Saul, king, you need to go to the Amicalites and you need to destroy all of them. You need to go to this foreign country and you need to battle them, but you need to destroy everything. They have caused so much chaos. They are no good. So you need to kill all of them in battle. Don't leave anything, even all their goods. I need you to destroy it. Even their king, I need you to destroy all of them. So what did Saul say? Yes, sir, I'll take care of it. So Saul goes into battle and he it goes into battle to kill everyone. He's trying to obey God, right? God told him clearly, destroy everything, don't leave anything behind. So he goes into battle and he destroys everything. But he begins to twist God's logic and tries to morph it into his logic. And he doesn't destroy everything. Saul says this. But I did. I did obey the Lord, Saul said. He's trying to tell Samuel, I did obey the Lord. I did. I went to battle. I killed everybody. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amicalites. And, you know, I, I, I brought the, the king, King Agag, I, I brought him back. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. What is Saul saying? I, I, I obey God, but I, let me spiritualize this. Maybe God want, maybe, maybe I can spare the king, but they had some good stuff, you know, some cattle, some food, some cash. You know, I'll, I'll take that in because, you know, our soldiers, you know, they need some of that stuff. I want to help them. So here he is twisting God's logic to fit, it, to fit it inside his own logic. And he's twisting it to make what makes sense to him. How many of us, we, we take, we hear God's command. We know what's the ethic of humanity. But what do we do? We twist it. We begin to say, well, it's outdated. Well, maybe that applies to a different time. And we begin to morph what divine ethics are given to humanity for our edification. 
for our benefit. Here comes ethics set from God, and we twist it to what we think is best for us. But Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Like, what's the question Samuel's throwing out to Saul? He's like saying, C -c come on, Saul, do, do you think God cares about the stuff or he's caring about your emotional health, your obedience? Which one, he's, he's asking questions to Saul. Which one do you think God prioritizes? You think God cares about stuff or does God care about your heart? You think God is, he, he's trying to build within you the virtue of obedience, even though you might not understand everything. He's trying to build within you the, the virtue of obedience, but you, you're sitting here trying to twist God's logic to fit it into your logic. Samuel continues, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. He's saying it's better to sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Any type of sacrifice, any nice thing you might give God, cool, but that's not as, as valuable as your obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. Now in red. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. He says to rebel to, to God's ethic, that's as you making yourself to be God. That's divination. To make yourself a deity is that you, I twist God's ethic and make it fit into mine. Now I have made myself God. This, my friends, is the theology that surrounds us in America. If you be true to you, you, you are your own God. No one will say you're your own God, but we make it sound very open and freeing and, and fluffy inside that you do you, you do what's true to you. And here Saul fell into that trap, trap instead of him elevating himself to the divine ethic in which God has given humanity. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. How did Saul respond? Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command. And your instructions, I was afraid of the men. And so I gave in to them. What is Saul's weak point concerning his emotional health? His, his view of himself in front of others, yeah. How he, how he looks at himself compared to others. Like, he wants people to look at him as like, yeah, you go, Saul. You're the, you're the man. You're the best king. Man, you, we won that battle, and you kept some stuff for us, and you, you kept the, the king, man. You, you, you're the man. You're the man. He cared so much about what people thought of him. That's what made him drift away from what God has called him to do. How many of us are so off emotionally because we're chasing what the Jones thinks of us. We're keeping up with the Joneses. We're trying to, 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 to portray ourselves in a certain way on social media. We're trying to put on this face in front of others, right? We come, we smile, everything's perfect. Then we get back in the car and everything falls apart. But we try to portray ourselves in a certain way and we're trying to chase that. King Saul lost sight of that. He was so focused on how, what other people thought of him that he had lost sight of what God has called him to do. So, today is all about a diagnostic state. Session one is for us to just to assess, am I emotionally unhealthy? And this is the conversation in which you will have in your life group for those who, uh, who did sign up for life group. And by the way, it's not too late to sign up for a life group, all right? It begins uh, next week. There is, one there is one life group that begins this week, but many of them are starting next week, but it's not too late. But, but we're going to break this down. Am I emotionally unhealthy? Am I off emotion emotionally? And is that causing 
friction in my relationships at work? Am I throwing myself off because of me being emotionally unhealthy? So what I wanna do is I wanna highlight top five symptoms of being emotionally unhealthy. Top five symptoms of being emotionally unhealthy. You ready? Number one is ignoring emotions. Ignoring emotions altogether. Like I ignore my emotions. An example of this, some people, some people do this. To say thank God, that's good, right? It's good to say thank God. But some of us use it so much that it becomes a scapegoat, right? I am super angry every time I see that person, every time I see that person at work, every time I get that text, every time I get that email, every time I just see that person's face, oh, ah, but thank God, thank God. It's like, process your emotion. Don't just, thank God, thank God. Or someone's in grief. Someone just lost someone. And it's, oh, thank God, thank God. Yeah, thank God, but it's okay. We need to go through the process of grief. We need to go through those emotions. Don't you, thank God, thank God. Okay, okay, cool, I'm with you, thank God. But we need to go through those emotions as well. King David has given us the perfect, like, icon of what that looks like for us to go through our emotions. He said there, cursed God, vented to God, asked tons of questions to God. I mean, he, he poured out his emotions in the Psalms, and I, I'm getting my head myself. We'll talk about that for session two. But th that should give us a rubric. That should give us a framework of how we can lean in toward God and not just cover up everything. Thank God, thank God. Yes, that's fine and dandy. But we also need to process our emotions as opposed to just ignoring them. We might cover up, as the video showed in the beginning, we might cover up our emotions by habits, either good or bad. Sometimes we cover up our emotions by an unhealthy habit. If it's smoking, drinking, pornography, you name it. We try to cover up our bad we try to cover up our emotions by just masking it with, 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 with a bad habit. And it gets the best of us. We try to cope with it. Instead of us trying to process it, we end up just covering it up with bad habits. And again, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just want to tease this out from now. What a way for me to process my emotions instead of me trying to ignore it. Be intentional of us beginning sentences with, I feel. I feel insecure. I feel anxious. Gentlemen, come on, let's do this. We can say, I feel. I feel this. I feel that. Like, that's true manhood. Like, we're, we're, this is, it's not a male thing. It's not a, it's not a guy and a girl thing. But I'm just saying, I, I feel as us guys, we have a harder time being emotionally healthy. And for us, beginning sentences like that, sometimes we think it's like a sign of weakness. No, we, we need to stop ignoring our emotions. We need to process it in a healthy way. So one, one symptom of us being emotionally unhealthy is that we ignore any type of emotion, right? We don't want to show, show joy. We definitely want to, we don't want to show tears. We just try to process it and cope with it in many different unhealthy ways. Second symptom of being emotionally unhealthy is denying the past impact on the present. Denying the past impact on the present. Like I said, this series is intended to us to be uncomfortable. We need to assess our upbringing, what we were exposed to in our childhood. Maybe it's different things that we went through. Instead of us just saying, oh, you know, that was in the past, and that was that guy, and that was that girl, or that, you know, and we just kind of brush it to the side. We need to be able to process it in a healthy way for us to have healthy closure. But some of us, we try to put a Band-Aid where stitching is needed. Sometimes we put a Band-Aid on a wound, thinking that's is what will heal it. But so we need to understand that, that the past is directly connected. And one of our sessions that we're going to be talking about is generational habits or generational sins. Like something we might have seen three or four generations ago in our family is embedded in you and me. It's within us. But how do we process that to avoid it continuing on down the line? That's what I'm saying, man. This series is that important.
Because us taking this so seriously is going to impact not only your generation, not your kids' generation, but generations to come if we are serious about being emotionally healthy. So we need to stop denying the past impact on the present. We need to assess our upbringing and different environmental factors and know that it is impacting and molding us into who we are today. The third symptom, spiritualizing away conflict. We are spiritualizing away conflict, right? So I, I, I don't have the guts to tell people this, but when, when someone makes a poor decision as far as a relationship is concerned, or someone makes a poor decision financially, or makes a poor decision on something that they have control over, they make a poor decision, and, and then everything falls apart. The relationship falls apart, you name it, they, it, it things fall apart. And what do they say? Uh, everything happens for a reason. No. I want to say no. You're trying to cope with it, but that, that's not the fact. Like, don't, don't try to use that on every scenario and just, oh, everything happens for a reason. That was meant to be. No, it wasn't meant to be. You could have prevented this if you, had, if you made wise decisions in the beginning. So try not to spiritualize everything and just try to put a red ribbon on it and say, well, that was God's will. <sighs> okay, but don't, don't, don't hijack that and just apply it everything. We need to take ownership and we need to stop just spiritualizing every conflict. Um, and, 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 and instead of us trying to process our emotion or the pain and which we are going through. And the fourth one is living without limits. Living without limits. Your, 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 your calendar is packed. My calendar is packed. We're always on the go. What's the next thing I got to do? What's the next place I need to go? I need to see the kids here. I need to do this. I need to set up this appointment, right? We're always on the go. We're on the go. But when I'm always on the go, I have no time to be able to sit myself and assess my emotions. When I'm always scrolling away, I'm unable to sit by myself without a phone, without a notification. I, 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 I'm unable to assess myself. Go back to what St. Augustine said. How can, I, how can I know God if I don't know myself? But if I'm always surrounding myself with white noise all the time, I'm scared of sitting with myself and my emotions, my thoughts, my struggles, of course I'm not going to grow. Of course, I'm always looking for something that's just going to cope me and just, and just continue to surround myself with white noise. So I need to make sure I have healthy boundaries, which is also another great book, by the way, a book called Boundaries, but that's different, probably a different series altogether. But so we, we need to stop living without limits, living without limits. And the final one, which is so, so, so dear to my heart, which one I struggle with tremendously myself, doing for God instead of being with God. And let me say for those who serve and volunteer either now or in the past or in any capacity, it is so tempting for us to do for God as opposed to being with God. We feel like, well, if I do this service, if I kind of be busy with doing this, then I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a good, I'm a good boy, I'm a good person, right? I'm doing something for God. That's easy to be surrounded with that noise, with that busyness, with the go, 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 being task-oriented. See, it's a double whammy for me. This is, this is what I do for a living, and I'm naturally task-oriented, which is really, really bad. So I struggle with this tremendously as far as just thinking, just me doing for God is, is a replacement for being with God. People, for those who are married, you would hate it if your spouse, and I, get, I, I do this all the time, and Sarah hates it. Like sometimes I feel, if I, if I do all the right things, if I, if, I, if I put the baby to bed, if I take out the trash, if I do the dishes, I'm, I'm like husband of the year, man. I, I'm, I'm focused on, because I'm, I'm doing the right stuff. I'm doing the right stuff. But what she really wants is, she just wants me to hear her out. She wants me to, I, I don't say a word. I shouldn't say a word, right? I, I need to ask, how do you feel? I need, to say, I need to connect with her, right? Instead of me doing, I need to be. But we naturally move in the direction of just doing for God as opposed to being with God. So this is a huge, 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 huge warning for all of us, especially if you naturally lean toward being task-oriented. 
For, and especially if you serve in any capacity in church now or in the past or even in the future, for us not to fall into this trap, us just doing things for God is not a replacement for our being with God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, man, listen. I struggle with this so much because, especially in, in the first couple of years of priesthood, like I felt like I need to continue to do stuff I, because you don't know what I do during the week, so I feel like I need to do stuff to prove it to you and I need to prove it to myself that I'm a good servant of God. I need to prove it to myself I'm a good priest. But if I pray too long, if I read too long, how am I, I'm not, no, I, I need to be doing for God. But to sit by myself, journal, pray, quiet time, reading, no. I feel like I need to be doing something. I want to prove you, and I want to prove it to myself, that I am, I am a good priest. I'm doing something. I am rolling up my sleeve. I am working hard. No, that's a trap. That's cancer, man. That, that kills us. If we feel like I'm just doing stuff instead of being with God. So that's a huge symptom. Um, so that's the top five list there of being emotionally unhealthy. Today is all about a diagnostic state. For us to expose, for us to dismantle us, and for us to expose ourselves and say, you know what, I am kind of emotionally unhealthy. Yeah, I am trying to chase that person. I am trying to run over that goal, and I'm, it's, I'm off sight. I'm, I'm off sync. Like I'm, I'm just, off, I'm off track. It's, it's impacting my kids. It's impacting my relationships. It's, it's affecting me because I'm lying to myself. For us today, it is purely about a diagnostic state. For us to assess, am I emotionally unhealthy? Where am I off? There's a part of you and me. There's a part of you and me where we want to betray the fake person of us. We want, we want that fake person to be out there. People see you in a certain way online. People see you a certain way at church. People see you a certain way at school, at work. You want, you want that. You want to be known for something. You want to be known for something. And you put that status out there. You make it super clear, right? You want to put that in people's faces. But inside all of us, by divine design, we want to be known by someone. We want to be known by someone at our core, as opposed to just being known for something. You and I are not that different than Saul. We are one decision away of falling apart. Instead of his legacy being the best and first king of Israel, you can see the rest of his story, everything begins to unfold because he allowed his emotionally unhealthy state get the best of him. It threw him off. We see bitterness, we see grudge, we see jealousy, we see insecurity throw him off. But it began because he never checked his heart. He never did a diagnostic state. Where am I off emotionally? Where am I off spiritually? Am I just really just trying to get the, 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 the approval of my soldiers instead of getting the approval of God? That's all of us. So today, it's for us to, to open up, come with vulnerability to God, and for me to assess. That's not going to happen today. You're gonna finish, you're gonna say hi to each other, you're gonna go eat and, and maybe get your car washed, and that's it. But where would this has to happen? This needs to happen. In life group, this needs to happen in conversation. This has to continue after this first session, all right? So I pray that we can kind of let St. Augustine's words kind of resonate within us. And how can I know God if I do not know myself? Let's stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we all struggle of trying to cover up aspects of who we are. But Lord, you desire for us to come to you with our sins, with our pain, with our struggles, with our habits. And for us to come to you and say, here we are. 
Lord, I pray that this series that we begin this week makes us uncomfortable, gets rid of different versions of who we are, and for us to be true to ourselves and for us to align our weakness and brokenness to you, you being the remedy to our pain, you being the true physician of our souls. Lord, I'm grateful that this book exists, that this, this, this series is there for us to expose maybe those dark spots within us. And I pray for all the life group leaders and everyone who has signed up for a life group, people who are debating, Lord, I pray that you give them clarity of thought and maybe that push, because I know in my heart, God, that it's this series which can have an impact, not for us, but for generations to come. Through the prayers of all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.